I want to start reading with our verse. This is our um, passage of Scripture all of us are going out of. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 13. It says this. It says, Put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which will extinguish the, fire, the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask now that you would come. In your spirit of peace, just, Lord, we invite you to rest, rest heavily in this room today. Lord, I ask that your spirit of peace would just come and just, just be a blanket, Lord, to us in this room. I ask for every hearer in this room, Lord, that they will experience what you have for them. Nothing more and nothing less, Jesus. I thank you for your peace. I thank you that we can... Feel your peace and know your peace through everything we go through. Lord, open our hearts today to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and 15 is what I'm talking about. The armor of God includes having the right shoes on for the battle. And so, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about the belt of truth. And then last week we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. But Paul, who's writing this portion of Scripture, says you can't forget about the shoes. You can't forget about the proper kind of footwear. Now, what I think is fascinating here is Paul is writing this letter to the church. And he's writing from prison. Okay, he's in jail, and he's probably chained to, or very in close proximity, to a Roman soldier. So I think that's kind of interesting how he's probably looking how he's clothed and thinking, yeah, you know, that's exactly what, what we need to live this life in Christ victoriously. So let's talk about the Roman soldier's shoes for a minute. These were, these were sandals that were heavily studded with nails, nails all in the bottom. These nails were called hobnails, and they were firmly placed directly through the sole of the shoe, multiple layer of nails um, in the shoe that were made to increase durability and stability for the soldier. So when he was walking around on the ground in the tough terrain and walking through those hillsides, they, they were kind of like cleats that we see football players and soccer players wear today. They were called hobnails that would grip into the ground, kind of like keep their traction when they needed. So they would help the, the soldier not to slip and slide around in, when, when he was battling the enemy. And not only that, they would help him stand firm because they would literally grip into the ground as he's walking. They would sink into the ground and grasp hold of the ground beneath him. And so Paul says, you know what? You need to put these shoes on every single day because with the shoes of peace comes the promise of peace. He says, you know what? We need to take a position of stability, a position that's stationary to not only stand, but just to stand firm, right? So that when, when the enemy comes, he can't knock you off your feet, how many of you have a brother? Anybody have a brother? Okay, I'm going to tell you what. I have a brother who's 18 months older than me. His name is Kurt. And when we were little, he used to love to wrestle. 
Like, and since I was there, guess who his wrestling partner was, whether I wanted to be or not. And Kurt would just charge at me. And he would just, out of the blue, just be like, rah, and then come and tackle me and take me down. Well, I learned really quick that if I could stay on my feet, if, if I could get him not to take me to the downward position, I, I had more of a chance in the fight. I could kick, I could scream, I could punch him. And, and so, yeah. <laughs> And so, so as he charged me a lot of times, I just was always aware. And I'm a really jumpy person, and I think that's why. I, because I'm like, oh, always, always looking for my brother to come knocking me off my feet. But, you know, I realized, you know what, when we're down on the ground, we're so much more vulnerable. When we're down on the ground, we're such an easy prey for the enemy. And every one of us in this room knows what it's like to be knocked over from time to time, right? You know, we know that... When circumstances come our way, when situations come, it might be finances or career, any number of things can remove us from our position of stability. And so these shoes of peace are your stability when your world seems to be crashing. Do you have your shoes on today? You know, the goal of our very real enemy in spiritual warfare is to keep you defeated. Your goal, the goal of our enemy is to keep you on the ground because if you are living a life in defense position, you're not going forward, right? It's like not onward, Christian soldier. It's like, no, I'm back against the wall, and I'm just fighting for survival right now. Very real goal of our enemy is to keep you in defense, because when he keeps you in defense, we can't advance into our callings and into the purposes of God, into, into everything that he has and the blessings of God. See, Satan knows that he can't take away your salvation, and so he attempts to make you a miserable Christian. You know, he can't keep you out of heaven, so he tries to make you experience hell on earth, and he tries to keep you knocked down. But you know what Paul says here? It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. See, we can move from our position of defense into offense and spiritual warfare by bringing a little bit of heaven right down here to earth and put your battle shoes on. So peace means different things to different people, doesn't it? I put something on my Facebook wall yesterday, and many of you chimed in and participated. What is peace to you? You know, peace looks different to everyone doesn't it? Sometimes people were, were saying, oh, peace is a sunset. Peace is a quiet water. You know, if you lived in the Middle East, peace can mean just the absence of war. If you are a mommy or a daddy of three small ones, peace can mean nap time. For me, peace is going up, getting up early, going out on my front porch rocking chair with a good cup of coffee. Peace is different for everyone, but a person who is at peace is the same. A person who is at peace is stable, they're calm, they're orderly, and they're at rest within. And you can tell, can't you? A person who is at peace doesn't fluctuate based on outside influences. And we know what the opposite of peace is, right? The opposite of peace, of course, is inner chaos. It's strife. It's worry. It's anxiety. You know, there were two painters who were asked one day to paint a picture of peace. Whichever painter could paint the best picture of peace was going to win $250,000. I tell you what, I get a crack at that when I, as, as, as many of you can imagine, both painters were highly motivated to paint their absolute best picture of peace that had ever been painted. 
And so the first painter set to work on his painting and, and began by creating a serene portrait of the lake with the sun glistening off it just at the right angle so it sparkled across the water. And the shepherd, a shepherd walked nearby the lake with a sheep following at a distance. There were trees that stood off to one side and birds up in the top branches. And after finishing his painting, the, the painter leaned back and he took a deep breath of satisfaction and said, hmm, this is peace. I've portrayed peace. And then the second painter had a very different idea in mind when he painted his portrait. In his painting, you see the sky was pitch black. Lightning shot through the air in zigged motions. And the painter also had water in, in his picture, but the waves of his painting thrashed as if they were somehow awakened from a terrible dream. The trees bent and they bowed down with the wind. The painting looked like a picture of chaos. But when you looked really closely at the second artist's painting, all the way down in the bottom left-hand corner, just near the very edge of this horrific scene, you could see a little bird on a rock. And this little bird had its mouth open as if it were singing a beautiful song. One faint light shone down in the darkness of the clouds unto the bird, and, and it sang in spite of its situation all around it. And so the second painter won the competition because the judges chose him as the winner because it showed the truest manifestation of peace. And that is a peace that resonates from within despite what's going on on the outside. You see, peace doesn't refer to an inner calm when all is calm. See, when you're surrounded by tranquility, we're supposed to be calm, right? I mean, I mean that's easy. But when you experience godly peace... You are at rest, even when everything else is not. See, peace isn't the absence of war. Peace is a quiet heart, even in the most difficult of times and in the fiercest of battles. Do you know that you can have peace in any situation today? You might say, oh, Kristen, you, you have no idea what I'm going through. I, I'm going to tell you what. God says, I will give you peace that you won't even be able to understand. I will give you peace that you won't even understand or comprehend. Because this is how the Bible um, describes the peace of God. It says it's so opposite to the natural way of responding to life's trials that we don't even understand it. We don't even understand it. You know what? We don't have to understand it because God is supernatural. He's a good God. And so we read this in Philippians 4, 7. It says, and the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds. So this peace then goes to work for you in your spiritual warfare by, by guarding you from the enemy's tactics. See, peace protects you. When we walk in peace, when we sense his peace leading us and guiding us, it settles in as a guard over our hearts and over our minds. But I'm going to tell you what, the enemy knows how powerful this is, and he's going to come to snatch it away. We know what the enemy does, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So it would be just like him to come and try to steal your peace however he can. Perhaps your peace was stolen this morning, perhaps in the parking lot, perhaps over breakfast, perhaps on your drive here. And so how do we keep our peace 
How can we war this thing? How can we learn to get a hold of our peace? You know, John and I had tried to get away. We went away Sunday night, just one night to Virginia Beach. We just said, you know what, let's just get away. Let's get out of town a little bit. Just because we needed some peace, and sometimes you just got to do that, right? And so we went, and of course, we're going there thinking, oh, it's going to be calm, and we're going to relax, and we're going to enjoy. And I'm going to tell you what, the entire time, guess what? I was battling peace. I was battling all these thoughts and all these anxious thoughts and, and, and things that kept thinking, thinking about stealing my peace. And one night, about 2 in the morning, I, just, I was like, I have had it. I have had it. We're here to relax on this. And so I just started praying, God, I need your peace. I need your peace. I need your peace. And I just kept saying it over and over. God, I, I am tired of letting my peace be stolen from me. No, God, I don't know how this works, but God, your word says it does. So God, I need your peace. Well, it wasn't long after that I was able to fall asleep, and I was determined to say, you know what, we're going to have a good time. I'm not going to let this thing rob me. So sometimes we have to fight for it. Sometimes we have to remind myself, hey, I've got to put my peace shoes on here because I have a choice to make. Am I going to let this thing steal me, steal my peace from me? Am I going to let it steal this moment that, that really I could be enjoying? Or am I going to give in to the enemy and, and be miserable? No. So sometimes some of us in this room who say, well, I'm not at peace. Sometimes you're going to have to go to the enemy's camp and you're going to have to take that back because the enemy has done stole your peace. You know, there used to be a song we used to sing. Maybe you know it. I went to the enemy's camp. Yeah, and I what? I took back what he stole from me. Yeah. Now, now keep that in mind. And then the next part of that song was, and then he's under my feet. And we used to stomp on the ground. He's under my feet. Satan is under my feet, right? Can you imagine if you had these war shoes on and you're stomping? I mean, that could do some serious damage, right? We, we, we got to learn to fight for this. We got to keep our peace because the enemy's right there to steal it away. Our culture and our society is so full of tension, isn't it? I mean, there's not enough hours in the day. There's realis- unrealistic expectations put on us, unrealistic demands. We're moving at lightning speed. No wonder we're all stressed out. You know, a large number of health-related issues we see today are what psychologists call psychosomatic illnesses. And these illnesses have a very real physical symptoms in the body, they're, but they've originated through stress or through anxiety. And they're very real. They're very felt, but they are negative effects that are taking place in our bodies, even though the doctors can't find any symptoms for them. So what's happening? Well, the body is reacting to the anxiety within us. I'm going to name a few. Now, not all of these I, I, I know are caused from anxiety, but these are some big ones. What about acid reflux, high blood pressure, headaches, vision changes, sweaty palms, heart palpitations, sleeping well, shaking, maybe panic attacks. I mean, these are all things that affect us and affect our health. Guys, we got to get a hold of our peace. You know, anxiety orders are the most common mental health concern in the United States today. There's an estimated 40 million adults in the U.S. that have a di- diagnosed anxiety disorder. Guys, we have a problem. But we don't have an anxiety problem. We have a peace problem. And whenever there's a lack of peace, there's a lack of Jesus. 
Now understand me that I know this anxiety thing, it's, it's real. And it's hard. A couple years ago, I, I battled through this myself. It hit me out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe, and it was gripping me. And I knew I had to get a hold of it. I knew I had to overcome it because, boy, this stuff will paralyze you, won't it? I mean, it made me just not want to do anything or go anywhere or talk to anyone. I, with the help, I saw a therapist. You know, you can love Jesus and still have a therapist. <laughs> And there's some really, I recommend getting a good Christian therapist if this is something you're struggling with. She helped me through this stuff. She helped me battle through it. I was on a little bit of medication for a time just to get me through to find some peace. And then I did a whole lot of things spiritually that I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But the good news is I was able to overcome. I was able to walk in victory through that anxiety. And I share that with you because I want just to be a big sister right now and say, you know what? You can have victory in this situation. Sometimes your situation seems so big, you just wonder if there's any hope. Can I tell you, can I be a big sister and say, there's hope for you. You can get freed from this. You can walk in victory for it. But I'm going to tell you, just because I'm walking in victory today doesn't mean that the enemy is leaving me alone in this area. You see, I've got to keep my battle shoes on. I've got to keep prepared I got to keep alert. I got to keep watching because I know I'm just one thought away from a downward spiral of going back into my anxiety. See, I don't want to do that. But if I don't keep my peace shoes on, see, if this were easy, we wouldn't need the armor, right? Paul's saying, hey, armor up and get, this, get yourself guarded up. Guard yourself from the enemy. So we've got to keep our peace shoes on. But this peace is so powerful. And here's why the enemy fights us so hard on this one is we are instructed to let peace control us. Let's check it out. Colossians 3.15, it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, the Greek word here for rule um, essentially means to act as an umpire. To act as an umpire. Well, what does an umpire do? It calls the shots, right? How many of you like baseball? How many baseball fans do we have? All right, we got a few. There were more first service we're going to a Nats game on Wednesday. I'm so excited. It'll be our first one. Never been. I'm a Milwaukee Brewers, Milwaukee Brewers fan because I'm a Wisconsin girl. Yeah. So I can't wait to have a stadium hot dog, though. I'm most excited about that. That's, that's going to be good. But here's the deal. When you're at a baseball game, the umpire calls the shots, right? I mean, if they call the pitch a ball, it's a ball. If they call the pitch a strike, it's, it's a strike. And no, no one argues with that. They call the runner out. The runner's out. So the game is centered around what the umpire calls. And the reason that this is so important is that life gives us a lot of decisions. Life gives us a lot of choices and a lot of opportunities. And so we wonder sometimes, well, which job do I take? Where do I live? Which conversation do I need to have? Which person do I marry? Do I go on this trip? Should I spend this money? Which church do I attend? Where do I live? I mean, these are big deals, right? And this is where the peace of God comes in and will lead you. You know, I was talking to someone after service. She said, I don't know. It all seems right, but it's just not adding up. And I, or it's adding up perfectly. That's what she said. But it just doesn't feel right. And I said, well, then you wait. You wait. Because if you have the peace of God inside of you, the peace of God will lead you and guard you and protect you and guide you. I tell my kids this. I say, you know, hey, if it's not the right person, the right place, or the right time, you're not going to have peace. Wait for those things to line up. And that's how God guides us. 
He will protect you and he will guard you. The crucial detail of this is to have peace in the middle of everything that we face is to stay close to the Lord. We got to stay close so we can hear the call of the umpire. We got to be able to hear his voice and we got to be able to listen in. And when we do that, he will protect you and he will guard you. See, if you align your thoughts and your desires underneath his comprehensive rule over every area of your life, I can promise you this, you will walk in peace. Jesus provided a beautiful example of peace in the midst of his chaos on the night he was arrested. You see, Jesus knew that his death was imminent, and he knew that the cross was near. And so here he is. He's with his disciples in John chapter 14. He's with his disciples. They're likely in the upper room. They're getting ready to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's just washed the disciples' feet, and he says this to them. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Now, keep in mind, he's about ready to go through a very unpeaceful situation. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, and that gift is peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you, it's a gift this world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. So what's Jesus saying here is Jesus is saying, my peace is totally different than the world's. My peace is something like you'll never, you've never experienced before and you'll never experience again, only through me. See, he says, the world's going to offer you all kinds of peace. See, the world will offer you peace in a drink, shopping, food, a relationship, entertainment, a pill, an injection, a Louis Vuitton bag. I mean, wherever you, for your heart's desire. But what happens is that peace is temporary. The problem with the world's peace is that it doesn't last so the effects of alcohol wear off, the effects of the pill wear off, the effects of entertainment ends, the money runs out, and so does the peace. But the peace that God gives remains. If you're here today and you don't have Jesus, I'm going to tell you what, that's where you're going to find your peace. You can't truly find peace without Jesus because why? Because he alone is our peace. So no matter what you're going through today, you can still have peace in the midst of your situation. So we don't have to like it, but I'm going to tell you what, with Jesus by your side, you can handle it, and you can walk through this thing. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples just two short chapters later, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Someone say, I can have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's good, isn't it? Jesus is saying to the disciples, hey, you're going to have some trouble. Some trouble's going to come your way. You see, the disciples don't even know what's about to take place in the next, in the next day. They don't even understand that Jesus is going to be brutally beaten. He's going to be abandoned, and he's going to be crucified. And he's saying, hey, you might have some trouble coming up, but it's okay. It's okay. Because why? Because I've overcome. What, what love to give us that, right? You know, in order to overcome something, you have to have something to overcome. So you won't know peace until something has gone wrong because everyone can have a peaceful life when everything is peaceful, right? 
But in the midst of your struggle today, in the midst of your battle, in the midst of war or that conflict, that's when we discover true peace. And that's when we discover we need these shoes. We need these peace shoes laced up and tight on our feet. So let's just talk about some practical, practical ways here, how to apply this. How do we overcome Jesus has overcome. We know that he's already done the work. How do we partner with that? And how do we overcome in our life here on earth? How do we keep our peace? Well, I found peace in in 2 Corinthians 10.5. This is a verse that has just been life to me, and it's been teaching to me. And it's this. It's take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, the first time I read that, I wasn't quite sure what that meant, so I, I dug down a little bit into it. But here's what it is. Here's the application See, if I'm going to have an anxious thought, whatever it is, whatever that anxious thought might be, I'm going to, I'm going to put a cage on it. Whatever that thought is that's keeping me from doing God's will or, God's, or just robbing my peace, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to put a cage over that and I'm going to take it captive. I'm, going to, I'm not going to pay any more attention to that thing. It's like a caged animal over there. I'm not going to feed it. I'm not going to talk to it. I'm not going to give it attention. In fact, I'm going to walk away from it. Because why? Because I got my marching shoes on. And I'm going away. And that thing's calling to me right now. Can you hear it? It's calling me. saying, but wait, you can't do that. Because remember, you're afraid. No, you can't go over there. Because remember who you are. Remember what you did. Remember, remember, remember. And I can say, you know what, I, no, no, I got my marching shoes on. And right about now I'm feeling, well, maybe I'm not so free after all. And I, you know what we do? We just keep marching. And I'm not going to turn around and I'm not going to keep giving that thing attention because why? The, what I, what I, when I keep walking away, that thing is eventually going to die. That thing's eventually going to die because what we feed grows and what we starve dies. We're going to keep marching. Why? Because we have our battle shoes on. Onward, Christian soldiers. This is how we walk out victory. This is how we walk out freedom. And many times we get about halfway through and we start thinking, well, it's not gone. I'm still thinking about this. Let me just tell you, you keep this up. This is a process. You cage that thing and you start walking away and you start getting some scriptures in your mind. You start plastering them everywhere you can see. You start getting some scriptures on your phone and committing them to memory. You renew your mind. You renew your spirit. You renew your thought life. And you change that thought. And eventually, I'm going to tell you, this works. Eventually, that thing's going to die. Why? Because I've replaced it. I have replaced it, and I've walked away from it, and I'm no longer feeding that fear. So this is a process. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible illustrates the power of peace in spite of our circumstances. It's found in Daniel chapter 3. We know it well. Some of us, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were faced with the command to bow down and worship their king, Nebuchadnezzar, as God, or be thrown into the fiery furnace. And so these three guys, they stood for their principles, and they stood by their God, and they refused to bow. So given the circumstances that they were in, I would say that would probably be a pretty good time to freak out, right? Yeah. So this was their response to King Nebuchadnezzar's threats to throw them in the fiery furnace. He says, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us 
out of your hand. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O King Nebuchadnezzar, that we are not going to serve your gods and we are not going to worship the golden image that you've set up for us. You know, what's interesting to me here is that God didn't keep these guys from the fire. He could have. He totally could have. He's God. He can do anything he wants. But God didn't keep these guys from the fire. In fact, quite the contrary. They were thrown in the fire. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar becomes so furious with them that he orders that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than it normally were. And even the men, the soldier men who were in charge of putting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, they got burned up. It was so hot. So God didn't keep them from the fire, but what God did do is he met them in the fire. This passage tells us that three men were bound and thrown into the furnace. But when King Nebuchadnezzar went to check on them, he saw four men walking around in the midst of the fire. See, God didn't change their world. He joined them in it. Peace isn't the absence of war, but peace is the presence of a living God. So how can I have peace today going through Whatever I go through, I can have peace today knowing that I know my God and I know that he is with me. I know that when I walk through things, Jesus is right there by my side and I can trust him. You see, God doesn't always change our circumstances. Sometimes he does. And oh, what a reason to praise him when he does. But what about when he doesn't? I'm going to tell you what, if you're properly clothed in the armor of God and you have your peace shoes laced up tight and you know your God and you know his word and you declare that word over your life, I'm going to tell you what, God will join you in your situation and he will give you the peace to make it through that. He will give you the peace to overcome and not let that situation overcome you today. The last verse I want to give you today, I've given you a lot of scripture because I want you to use it. Use it in your battles. Isaiah 26, 3, it says this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. That's a promise. You want to know what perfect peace is? It's unexplainable. It's the peace of God. It's the gift of God that he gives. It's like double portion peace. It's like peace, peace. Yeah, it's good. I don't, I don't know why anyone would not want God in their life. I don't know why they wouldn't because life is hard. And I tell you what, I, I need him every day of my life. I need him. I wouldn't want to live a moment without him. A young boy was on a passenger flying in an airplane through a terrible storm. The turbulence was causing the passengers to panic and This young boy wasn't afraid, not at all. And one of the passengers asked the boy, turned next to him and said, hey, how can you be so calm in the middle of the storm? Young boy replied, my daddy is the pilot. You know, when you know who is in control, you can have peace in the middle of your storm. You really can. I don't know what you're walking through today, but can I just speak peace over you today? 
God wants to bring peace in the midst of your chaos. Can you put your battle shoes on today and know who you are in Christ?